Hi, friends. You're listening to Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. This podcast is for anyone who's gotten to their 30s, 40s, or 50s and realized life isn't always as linear as we expected. Tune in monthly as I interview guests about their own midlife plot twists and hear how they've navigated all of life's unexpected twists and turns. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Midlife Plot Twists. I'm your host, Lucy Baber. And today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, But first, I wanted to introduce my guest, who's actually going to kind of be my guest interviewer instead of my guest interviewee. Today, I'm talking to my best friend, Elena Wright. Hi. Um, Tell us us about yourself, Elena. Oh my gosh, what is there to say? Um, I have known Lucy for several, gosh, since Chance is a baby, maybe? Yeah, Chance is going to be 10. So it's been like 10 years, at least. It's been a while. Through photography, we met and then we just kind of hit it off in other ways. And we've um, kind of been through the thick and thin of it um, with each other's lives. And I am a mom of three, two adult kids who are 20 and 23, and one surprise who is now 11. So yeah, I work, I go to school, I take care of my kiddos, and I try to have fun. And you used to live in Quakertown, Pennsylvania, near me, and now you are? In Tampa. (laughs) Hey! (laughs) It is 100 degrees and 130% humidity out there right now, so that's why I'm not happy. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) No, thank you. No, thanks. But at least, um, at least you're not getting the like terrible air quality that we're getting here again for like the third time from Canada. I did read that it was coming down again. This is just like, we're going to be like walking around in gas masks. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I saw that and I was just like, oh, I miss it. But I don't know if I missed that. No. That wasn't even a thing to miss before. Now it's like brand It new. happened before, but this is like the third time in what, two months? Yeah, it's never happened this frequently in a season. It's it's happened like maybe once every three years before. Right. And I just thought they had like tornado warnings up um, in Canada. <laughs> Ooh, oh all Who knows? The yeah. weather's wild right now. I'm not okay with it. <laughs> but um, I'm also not a huge fan of Florida for lots of political reasons. So there's that. (laughs) And why I'm not a big fan either. (laughs) There's no winning. I I do live near the gay Mecca of St. Petersburg, Florida, which I absolutely adore and enjoy. And uh, my, my little 11 year olds can feel all their non-binary selves there and feel safe and comfortable with all the pride flags. So that is our little safe getaway. Um, we just have to be careful anywhere else outside of that. We've not been to Miami, and I hear Orlando's pretty safe as well. But yeah, it has definitely been anxiety-inducing living here the last several months um, because, you know, our legislature and governor here are on a hellbend and making life hard for everybody. So, yeah. Well, yeah. we're going to get into all the the things you just mentioned in just a minute. Before we do that, today is my last podcast episode. I have been doing this since 2020 and it's now July, 2023 and things life lifed at me 
<laughs> and uh, we're going to talk about all of that. But yeah, so today is my last episode and I thought changing the format would be kind of fun to give us a space for me to talk a little bit more about myself and who better to do that than the person who has to hear my innermost thoughts all the time. <laughs> I remember when you wanted to start the podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, so, okay, let's back up though. The year is, I don't know, Chance was born in 2013. He was 12, 12, 13 is his birthday. So he was born in 2013. But I think you and I started, was he born when like we started spending time together? I remember, yeah, I remember when he was born because we were like periphery friends in the Click and Mom Philadelphia group. So Mm -hmm. I think he made an announcement there or maybe through social media somehow we were connected. And I remember being like, oh, congratulations, this person had a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would go to like group outings together. And I remember our very first group outing, you were wearing champ. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I was like, oh, babies. Like, I like other people's babies. They're cute. (laughs) I do remember us being kind of in the periphery at that point. And then it wasn't until... The following summer, you were hope you wanted to do that conference, and I was like, "Hey, I have a lot of like grassroots putting things together experience. I would love to be a part of it." And that's when we kind of started to connect more. Yeah. So ten years ago, life was also life. <laughs> we both had little ones. We were both like thick in the photography business realm, and yeah, I mean, like. I don't know that I would have explained it this way at the time, but looking back, I'm like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. Lucy has a newborn and she wants to throw a freaking conference. (laughs) That sounds like me. (laughs) It totally tracks because I didn't have any money, right? Like I was still kind of starting my business at the time. Um, It was, it had been going for a couple of years, but it was still really taking, trying to take off. And there was no maternity leave in my life there was no wiggle room financially and so when I mean I might have said this already on this podcast but I was literally teaching an online class from the hospital bed the day chance was born like pushed a baby out hopped on my computer a couple hours later and was like giving feedback and everyone was like what the hell are you doing and I was like this is my maternity leave this allows me to hold my baby for like a month. I took I took a month off. I went right back to it after a month. Uh, so yeah, the fact that I was putting to get trying to put together a, a day long seminar conference thing with a less than one year old at my house totally tracks. And also, I needed help because how? Uh, so so yeah, you and I had been like you called it periphery friends. That sounds about right. We we like knew of each other, had probably met or something. And then I put out a call, and I was like, I need somebody who's really good with details and logistics. You were like, that's me, which you are. And uh, I we are a great team together all these years later because I'm the big picture person, and you are the details person. <laughs> You're the Aries and I'm the Libra. We're exact opposites. (laughs) It was meant to be. It was. And, and yeah, we've just, we've learned that about each other time and time again. It was probably, we won't go into details, but 2018, 
that we started to really get closer because both of us, you know, the 2013 phase of our lives, that was like more work and photography centric and babies. And then by 2018, five years later, things had shifted again and we were both struggling with uh, relationships and we found a lot of comfort in talking things out. And we had a lot of time to be able to just chat about things and it's only gotten better from there. But I mention all that because, uh, yeah, we we have also like stepped into midlife together, and you before me. How old are you again? Forty three, I think, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's forty three. <laughs> okay, forty three, <laughs> and I am now forty nine. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So you. Uh, you blaze that trail first um and we you know sometimes you just meet people that are like life happens in parallel like very closely and elena has been that person for me so fast forward to today and you are going to ask me some questions that are going to keep the conversation going so i don't want to step on your toes anymore what do you got for me Oh, wow. you're the expert here. Um, so I, one of the things that is going to be your last show, I think it'd be really interesting to hear about what brought you to podcasting. Why create a podcast? Um, and what was your thought process around that? Yeah, so again, 2018 feels like, okay, so 2016, the world started to end and didn't stop uh but by 2018 i was let's see i was born in 82 so i turned 35 between 2016 and 2018 35 is the year that things really started to kind of shift for me um my focus shifted a little bit less i'm trying to think of how to word this so like my my early 30s were all about babies and setting my career up to be able to support me having babies and setting my life up so that I everything I did was around my kids, right? Like uh, all of my friends during the, you know, weekday were kid-related friends, like other moms. And photography was always, I started it, uh, started photography. I don't know if I've said this on this podcast. I always kind of blush when I say this out loud. It's embarrassing to admit it. So I started, I bought my first camera because I wanted to get newborn photos when Theo was born, but they were too expensive. And so I thought to myself, I could just get a camera and do this myself. I mean, isn't that how most of us start in photography? I mean, we're like, we can save a pretty penny here if we have our own camera and we just do it ourselves. Probably. But somebody who also like, whose business depends on other people not doing that. It feels cringy to say it. But okay, so like what I've learned through that is like time is money, right? So there are those of us who want to invest the time in order to learn a new hobby and maybe make art out of it. And then there are those of us who like would rather just do their other job and pay somebody else to do the creative stuff, like taking photos. So I don't feel bad about that anymore. But um, at the time, yeah. That was how I got into photography. So my early 30s were all about kids and building my life so that I could be 
essentially a stay-at-home mom. And then my late 30s hit and I realized, oh, this is kind of boring. <laughs> and it's also like not actually su supporting my own mental health, my own creativity, my own need to like keep living my whole life. It was really, it felt really stifling to only put myself in that one box. And so my late thirties, yeah, it was about more like exploring and, and also recognizing that this, I've said it every episode on this podcast, this life that I always assumed was like very linear, like you do this and then you do that and then you do that and then you live happily ever after. Like that wasn't actually like, that's not how life was shaping up. And so I started having these conversations with all these other friends and acquaintances. And, you know, I'm not the kind of person who just sits around and like talks about the weather. I always go deep with people. And so most of my conversations all day were like, isn't it crazy that we're all going through these major life changes? Like I had friends, the first couple conversations were like body related things, things like, ah, is this perimenopause? Like, why is my body freaking out? All of my friends were having the same conversation. Like, what is this? And then it was like, should I let my hair go gray if it's naturally turning gray? Or should I like, should I uh, keep covering it up and dyeing it? And there were some friends who really struggled with that decision um, and got a lot of pushback, which I thought was weird on letting their natural color show through. And I just started realizing like, I am the kind of person that has these deep conversations with somebody all the time. I wish I could connect those friends so that they could all individually start to understand how normal all of this is for this phase of life. Because I have, you know, especially because of the internet, I've got friends all over the place. And so what might be like kind of normalized and non-judgmental in Philadelphia was not the case in central Pennsylvania or central Virginia or wherever. And I wanted to just shake my friends and be like, don't you understand? This is okay. And, but like people were, would get really self-conscious and, and a, a lot of people like sunk. I watched a lot of friends sink a lot of money into things like intensive medical testing, maybe not even within the medical community, but also like holistic wise, like a lot, we went, we all went through this phase where you and I, and everyone I knew was also like, trying to find like a somebody who practices like holistic Eastern medicine could because we would go to the doctor and say these things are going weird and they'd be like ah it's fine and we'd be like but yeah. it doesn't feel fine and so we got frustrated like nobody's listening let's go elsewhere and then relationships started to change and and again we all just kind of go into our own little islands and it felt like everyone felt very alone in those changes so Fast forward to 2020 and life really shut down. We had all this time on our hands and um, I found myself craving and like missing those deep conversations I had with friends before, but also with all this free time on my hands. And uh, I was like, you know what? It's time. Like I've been talking about it for a while. Um, at the time, I also was not sure if photography was going to continue to be my primary income stream for the rest of my life or you know it was kind of a, a way to like put out feelers and say do I have more to offer 
career-wise than just taking photos? And the answer is yes, but I just wanted to kind of see where where the needs were, where the the itches were that needed to be scratched. And uh, talking to people helped me kind of figure that out over and and created a blueprint essentially for me as I walked into midlife. It helped kind of normalize all the things. So yeah, so that's why I started the podcast. October 2020, went hard for a couple months, took a long break because life was lifing again, and then went hard again for another, the second season. And uh, again, things things are uh, busier than they were in October 2020. And so it just felt like a good time to wrap things up, even though I haven't explored all the things I wanted to with people. I also recognized that I needed to honor my own schedule, honor my own mental health boundaries and step back, hoping that somebody else will kind of pick it up from there. Not this podcast, but on another thing. Right. And I I think it's really important to emphasize that for so many people, we're, we're, we're taught through media and through life that as women, we're supposed to be linear. We're supposed to do the things, go to high school, graduate, go to college, graduate, get married, have kids, maybe have a career, and you just continue to do those things. Um, and I know for myself, I am like the jack of all trades, master of none. Like I love trying all the things. And when you mentioned how, you know, you like to, you have, you need, had an itch you needed to scratch. Um, that it, how many women out there are suffering or wondering or just have something that they feel like is missing? They just have that little thing that they think is like, why do I feel so, so restless? Um, and I think it is so normal for a lot of us to have multiple interests. And mm. we will go from thing to thing to thing to thing. And people will tell us that that's not right. I know I've heard it in my lifetime, like, well, you need to figure out what you want to do. Just do the thing. Instead <laughs> of remembering, like, we have a lifetime and we can change a hundred times, a thousand times in that lifetime. Um, and I think it's super important to remember that because for so many women out there, they just feel like, nope, I'm doing the thing I'm supposed to do, <laughs> even though I feel this like restlessness. And I know we've talked about that restlessness before, and I'll always go back. I remember it so vividly, driving in the car in the rain somewhere in Philadelphia <laughs> and going, is this really all there is? Is this it? Because <laughs> it doesn't feel fulfilling. <laughs> right. I don't, there's got to be more out there for us. And I think that kind of, started us really deep diving on a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And not only that, I feel like, I mean, you and I have different like faith journeys, but for me also deconstructing a lot of my Christian upbringing uh, helped me realize that like nobody else is keeping track, you know, <laughs> like regardless of what I believe about heaven and hell and God, like I really don't think he's looking over my shoulder. And I don't think there's a big gold star at the end to like, you know, say like you did better than everyone else. And so recognizing that for myself also helped me to finally like exhale, relax, you know, like I am really the only one paying this close attention to my own life. Certainly people are impacted by it and I'm not out here trying to be reckless and irresponsible and hurt other people. But at the end of the day, like whether I do 
10 push-ups or sit on my butt and don't do any, or I do like five hours at the gym. I am the only one who cares, you know, no, literally nobody else cares how I'm taking care of myself. The things that I'm experiencing, the, just the, the life that I'm living, people aren't paying that close attention and recognizing that really allowed me to kind of just like, yeah, I can try one thing for a while and I can honor, uh, I also, I guess became a lot more woo for that. I can, so I'm like about to say like, I can honor the space that I'm in. Like I, it was good and right for me to be in baby mode when my kids were babies. And then as they became more independent, it is also good and right for me to shift my perspective and focus more on my own needs again. And all of that, like kind of cyclical life happening, all of that, it, it's normal. It's, it's totally normal. It does not have to be a straight line. It can, uh, things can happen for phases and it doesn't invalidate the phase before it, you know, like all of it's okay. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that's super important as well for other people to hear is like, you are just honoring where you're at right now. Um, what was happening in 2020 certainly isn't happening now. Um, <laughs> and it's okay to start and end things. You, you know, even if you feel like you're letting people down, like they'll get over it. <laughs> um, you're not hurting people and being malicious. I mean, if you're really just doing it um, out of good faith and for yourself and your mental health, like that is important for people to realize too. I know uh, roller derby for me was really, really hard to give up. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I've lived a thousand different lives already and roller derby was a really big piece of that. And ending that was really difficult because I felt like all these people were depending on me. I started this, I, you know, created what it would look like with the help of all my teammates. And from when it came time for me to leave, I was so nervous about it. But in the end, I just, I, I had small breakdown. And I was like, I just cannot go to practice. I can't do it. I'm done. I'm out. Um, and it just had to happen that way. And I had to go cold turkey because I felt like I was letting everybody down. But much to my chagrin, I'm super excited for them. They are still going. I quit in 2012. They're still going. They are one of the longest running sporting leagues in the Lehigh Valley. Um, I'm wow. super proud of them. Lehigh Valley Roller Derby. So <laughs> I'm I could do that and leave it and it's going to continue on in its own iteration. So it's going to change and evolve and it's going to be what they need for them at that moment. Um, not for me. So, yeah, I think that's really important. Like we do have impact on other people. Um, and, you know, like you said, you might put this down and somebody else might get a spark and pick it up in a different direction. That's just as valid and wonderful. So I think yeah. that's really awesome. So yeah. what, are some surprises that you've learned along the way through the podcast or anything that was kind of like an aha moment for you? So I, I've interviewed some really fascinating people and I've gotten, I've had the chance to have conversations with people that I might not otherwise have also. Like um, most of the people I ended up interviewing were friends or acquaintances, um, a small handful just found me either on the internet or um, there were introductions, you know, through friends of friends. It was constantly surprising when somebody found me that I didn't know, you know, and everybody's got different things going on. The friends of friends thing was lovely. I'm so happy that that 
ended up happening. People that found me on the internet, we might not have ended up, you know, forging quite as deep of a long-term relationship, but I recognize that they're also on their own journey trying to promote their own things. And that's a thing I love to be able to help with too. It allowed me to also like, I, I, again, my primary purpose with this was just to normalize things, to give somebody else that blueprint to say, look, here's somebody doing it, (laughs) whatever you're concerned about, here's somebody in the thick of it. You can kind of keep an eye on them and, and see that you're not so weird and out there. But then it was really fun also bringing in like experts who could like educate on a thing. So I learned a lot through that as well. One of my one of my favorite episodes was uh, talking to a clinical director, I believe is her title, uh, Julie Crystal from the birth center, now Lifecycle Women Care, Woman Care, just because we just talked about women's reproductive health. And I learned a lot from that conversation, just talking to her about the, all of that and talking to somebody who was that much older than me. Again, like here I am trying to normalize it for other people, but this person was normalizing a lot for me. and more often than not, that was the case. Like, you know, you can't teach without also learning yourself. And so, yeah, I learned, I just learned a lot from people. Obviously the, probably the most impactful conversation I had was Rachel Moore. She was, uh, an introduction through a friend of a friend. Um, and she was at the end of her life in her early forties and had to say goodbye to her kids and was battling terminal cancer since we did the episode she did pass away and it was just I had never had a conversation with somebody like that before that was so frank about what it means to prepare to die in midlife so that I think about her a lot and I think about uh her family and and um just her her honesty and her sense of humor and how um much that got her through. So yeah, again, it, it it gave me blueprints for areas that I didn't know I needed it. And I I might not need it on my own in my own life right now, but uh people keep dying <laughs> because that's also what happens. And the older you get, the more, yeah, the more people around you will pass. And so just just kind of having that that uh perspective really helped. But I think the thing that I learned the most through the various conversations I've had on this podcast is that and I, I might have I'm sure I've said this on previous episodes uh in recent previous episodes I think we're all kind of going back to that blueprint idea I think we're all kind of just making it up the best we can based on what we saw our parents do or you know the grown-ups in our lives at that time and so it really forced me to examine like what are the things that feel normal already for me because I saw my mom do it when she was this age and what are the things that I feel a little challenged in and how do I want to approach that because I could say well that's just how it's done in your 40s and just call it a day but that's not really my personality (laughs) I would rather push back and say okay well that's how I saw it done but through the course of all these conversations I've had with other people, I realized other people's parents were different than mine, surprisingly enough. And they were out here doing things, making different choices, living life differently. As somebody who grew up in a two-parent, they stayed married till 
death part of them household, I recognize that a lot of people lived through divorces and, and they are still thriving, healthy, high functioning people. You know, a lot of people just saw their parents make different choices than my parents did. And we all kind of figured it out after that. So that really gave me permission to just question, just keep questioning. Like, what do I accept as the norm? And, and am I okay with that? Do I want that to be my norm or do I want to just try, try something different, go off the map a little bit and make my own new path? Um, and that's been really freeing to be able to own and accept. I think that, um, really uh, one of the, the great things about being so interconnected on the internet, um, through <laughs> social media, through podcasts like this, and, you know, we are given a glimpse into other people's norms. Um, because when you were raised in an area, you stayed in an area, or maybe even if you moved away, you only had what was around you to reference because you didn't have a greater um, a greater view of other people's norms. Um, so it's been one of the things that has been super helpful for me is, you know, I grew up in a broken home. I, my mom, my, my biological dad left when, before I was even born. Mm-hmm. And I had a stepdad that came and went. But for me, I was just kind of like, oh, this is normal for me. Um, and it was really interesting to see people who had two parents the entire time and still do. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Um, but I I left that small town and moved to Philadelphia area. And that just gave me an even bigger view of people and how they lived and their cultures. And, you know, it was really interesting. And I think it, it's super helpful to have that interconnectedness on the Internet. I know it's vilified a lot, but there's also a lot of positives that come from it and that we get to see other people, you know, we can say, hey, I like that. I'm going to try that on for myself and see if I like it too and move on from there. And if I don't like it, I don't continue to use it. But it's giving us something else to try um, that feels good. And I think that's what's most important. What works for us? What works for me? You know, what works for my family? And being able to try all that stuff on. um, And if it doesn't work out, great. If it does, even better, you know? So I think that's super awesome. I like wholeheartedly believe and this is this is a belief that's formed um primarily it grew out of the black lives matter movement um and it informed you know my my personal project with the black dads but now it just kind of informs every part of my life i believe that we make sense of life through stories and that's why things like reading listening to music watching movies i think are like some of the most important things we can do because we're just The more stories we expose ourselves to, the more variety of stories we expose ourselves to, the more perspectives we consume and just kind of like come in with an open mind, the more that allows us to just one, like fully experience life. Cause uh, I'm also very big on like, I want to feel all the feelings, all the good and the bad feelings. I just want to like, this is what we're here for is to, to, be in it but two it just it keeps you growing and it keeps you kind of like staying open to other people and and you're going to what I've said a lot from my dad's project is you know if you don't know if you live in a place where you don't know invested black fathers it would be really easy for you to only consume the types of media that tells you that all black dads are deadbeat not involved 
And then you just vilify them because in your head, that's the only story that you've heard. So the more we like put out stories, give, give us platform for stories that tell otherwise, the more it'll start to kind of seep in and you'll recognize like, oh, this thing that I thought was true actually isn't. And it's the same with this podcast. I think the more we just talk to other people who are also like figuring out midlife and um, the more we hear stories that are not the same as ours, the more it kind of like informs how we go about our day. And maybe you'll be a little bit nicer to the next person you interact with. Or maybe you'll kind of pick out a loose thread that's kind of like sticking out in your head. Like, what what do I think about? Like I interviewed somebody who was uh, leaving her corporate position to, um, to go into the marijuana industry. And I still know, I mean, I know it's very like normalized in the mainstream world at this point, but because of my conservative upbringing, I still know plenty of people who would be like, weed. (laughs) And like, you know, like just exposing them to a story, like just a completely benign, like she's not hurting anyone. Nobody else is impacted by her choice to do that. Maybe you could like open your mind a little bit and just hear how somebody else is living. And that was my goal with that. It's just, this is how other people do things. You don't have to like it, but maybe just listen for a minute. Right. I mean, it does, it just opens your worldview, gives you just a little bit of information because social media does have a tendency to kind of things float to the top, right? And those narratives float (laughs) to the top. And those are the things that you consume because it's the easiest, it's the most uh, accessible, it's the one that you're rolling by all the time. And when you're given a different viewpoint, it just kind of, you kind of like, oh, I didn't ever think about that. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's super helpful. I know that I've done that with a lot of things, you know, um, moving to Philadelphia was huge for me. <laughs> I thought I was pretty darn good on, you know, thinking like, no, everybody everybody's equal everybody you know I I grew up with my uh, best friends across the street who were black and I thought I was good you know then I moved to Philadelphia and I did really start to see the inequity and you know the injustices that were happening around in just the Philadelphia area because as you know living in Philadelphia is one thing but we lived in the suburbs Mm -hmm. suburbs are completely different and I have a brown child um, you know who presents very Hispanic or Native American, whereas, you know, I don't have that. I, I, I present as very white. So I've never had to experience what he's had to experience. So moving him away from New Mexico and into the suburbs really started to open my mind. And, you know, like li- watching him go through these experiences really opened me up to understanding more. So, I mean, it's super important to just always keep your mind open and, you know, Listen to what people are telling you. They're not just saying it for no reason. Um, they're, they want to be heard. People want to be heard and validated. And the least we can do is, is hear them, you know, and just kind of be open to what they're saying. And Philadelphia was a huge game changer for me. So so you want to rattle off each of our midlife plot twists? Because <laughs> we've had a lot over the past few years. <laughs> <laughs> we have had a lot my god what was what was up with that <laughs> i don't know i mean there are some things that will stay in the vault right between the two of us but um the major ones we can talk about since 2020 we'll say since 2020 okay uh so in the past three years and i'm not i'm not going to include necessarily 
well, no, I am going to include pandemic stuff. I don't know why I wouldn't. Okay. So in the past three years, pre-pandemic, the, if I'm being honest, the first, first major thing that happened was uh, I became polyamorous. And for the first time in over 15, 16 years, started dating again. So that was huge. The next thing that happened after that was the pandemic, which then forced my small business that was really kind of my whole identity um, to shift. And in some ways, I was able to really pivot and continue to thrive. And in other ways, you know, it made me reevaluate career choices because bills keep coming, whether there's a pandemic or not. And yeah, so and and not only that, but there's there's more to my decisions around like the future of my photography business. But but that was at the initial in the summer of 2021, I moved to the basement, which was not at first it was not a relationship choice. It was a logistical choice because we were still in the pandemic and I live in a tiny three bedroom home. My office is in the dining room. And uh, his office is in our bedroom or what was our bedroom. So it was a logistical decision because our lifestyles were very different. We were working different hours and needed different amounts of space. And then the fall of 21, things kind of happened rapid fire. My dad passed away in October. And soon after, kind of that, that was like, I've described a lot of events in my life as the rock, like picking up the rock and seeing all the bugs underneath. My dad passing away was the picking up the rock, showing me all the bugs underneath. And so soon after my husband and I decided to separate officially. And um, yeah, since then, gosh, it's almost been two years since then, since 21. Since then, I also like, 2021, I joined a board for this nonprofit and I've, I'm now stepping away from that as well. Podcasts now came and went. And uh, the most recent change that's pretty significant is that I now have another job. So working two jobs for now, loving the other job, by the way, still co-housing and separated. And that is a thing that most people are surprised about, but it's working well for us and our kids. And um, maybe in the near future, I'll also be able to dig out of that pandemic debt hole that I have accrued. <laughs> and um, yeah, we're just working on continuing to thrive from here on out. Yeah. Did I hit all the bases? I think so. <laughs> feels <laughs> like there's a lot of things that I don't even remember for myself I'm like oh yeah the things that happened didn't it um so hard <laughs> to keep them all together but I know for myself um my plot twist started happening pretty early on in my 30s so in 2015 my mom passed away from glioblastoma which is brain cancer six months from diagnosis to death so that was a pretty intense period of time for us it was a really rough time for, for myself for my um for my kiddo who was a little, little loud, was, how old were they at that time? I think two when my mom was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And they were really close to my mom for being two and three. So, and when I say they, that's their pronouns, just FYI. So I don't mean two kiddos, but <laughs> they, them, and their name is Max. Yeah, my mom passed away 
that was really hard to get through. And that really impacted my ex-husband at the time. I didn't realize how much it had impacted him because for all intents and purposes, everything was going okay prior to that. We'd had our, we'd had our things for many, many, many years. Um, and I had been thinking about um, divorce a lot for many, many, many years. But being that I have no degree and had three kids at home, what was I going to do on, you know, $30,000 a year? Not much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was committed to working it out. I also felt like I didn't want to be like my mom where I was divorcing and, you know, raising three kids alone. So I was committed. Um, but that kind of started to crack. That was the first crack where I was like, things are really not going well. It's after my mom passed away. Um, mm-hmm. That really affected him. And his mom and dad passed away somewhere in that period of time too. But he, he, he pinpoints my mom's death as being like, that was a big one for him where he started to lose it. And then shortly after that, in 2018, I got really sick with a freak infection, stress infection that entered my bloodstream. And I ended up in the hospital on death's door. Um, I was hospitalized for about a week with a multitude of antibiotics. And somehow I pulled through that, which again affected not only me, but Max. Because uh, now all of a sudden Max is, you know, has, has this anxiety and panic attacks and such because all of a sudden mom wasn't home. And then as soon as I was released from the hospital, they fell and broke their arm um, and required That's surgery. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, that um, and they talk a lot about that as well. So, you know, and I, I didn't even mention like earlier that same year in 2018, um, my ex-husband was in a motorcycle accident and thankfully he was okay, but he had road rash. He was pretty banged up, a couple of broken ribs and road rash everywhere. So we just had a really bad year. Mm -hmm. And so we're trying to, you know, we're trying to get over this. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hits, right? And I'm, you know, I was doing my photography business. I was working full time, um, caring for my kiddos at that point. So it was one of those things where I was just trying trying to like keep it all together, keep it together. And then uh, the pandemic hit. And I had already started to decide that maybe my photography business wasn't where I wanted to go. Because in that time as well, I was also the chairperson for the Community Accountability Program, which is a a program for first time nonviolent offenders to come before the panel. Um, We were volunteers and we could provide a non- I want to say like an informal probation period where we could listen to their stories. What, what, was their thought process and we could give them, you know, a mental health evaluation, apply for SNAP, apply for Medicaid. Like we could help them navigate the system in that way, almost like a case manager versus uh, a punitive action, um, right. which is super sorely needed because once you put somebody, um, once they have a record, it just stays with them and it, it just causes issues. So they can expunge their record after they complete our program. So I was doing all of that. And then when the pandemic hit, Everything, as everybody knows, just kind of stopped. All of a sudden, not only are my ex-husband and I both working at home, but now we have Max, who's in, I don't know what grade at that point, I can't remember. They're having school on the internet. So we're all working online. My my second oldest was working from home as well. And it was, we were all on top of each other because we lived in a twin and it was a three-story twin and there was not a lot of space. Um, so I've spent a lot of time in my room trying to get away from everybody else. And that's <laughs> we, when we used to have car dates. Do you remember our car dates? We would have car dates. <laughs> we would go. <laughs> we would pull up next to each other. <laughs> and talk Rain across our open windows. Matter. I know. The pandemic was rough. Remember we'd, all be, we'd, we'd have our blankets because it was like the winter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we would go and sit in our cars with the windows down and talk across the cars. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that was that was I mean really that was a, a godsend because we were going. I was I know I was going nuts in my house because things were just that little crack turned into like the freaking Grand Canyon in my house. Um, yeah, things just really got horrible and. Um, in the all amidst that, I mean, I had an app that was a music chant. It was like a music app. They played my kind of music, which is heavy metal, and it had a chat feature on there. And I had started to meet a lot of people online, um, and that was really, really helpful as well because I got to meet a lot of people, and that just kind of kept me going. It, it kept my social network going when I couldn't go out and mm-hmm. do other things. After the pandemic is when things really started to hit the fan, and I was just preparing myself for divorce. I started going to therapy, started going back to school because I knew I needed to go to school to get a degree um, so I could support myself and my kids. And um, I was going to try to hold out as long as I could, but the day came that he was just like, nope, we're done. And I was like, yeah, you're right. Cause I've been planning this for a little while anyway. And you know, it just blew up from there. So I am since divorced and I moved to Tampa, Florida to be with my partner who I ha- was friends with, um, who I met on that app um, that I mentioned. And um, we decided to have a go at a romantic relationship because he, he was really kind of a godsend for me at the time. Um, I know there was a couple of suicide prevention hotline calls on my on my part because things were so bad at my house that I just could not handle it anymore. And, you know, if anybody's ever called the prevention hotline, it's not easy to get through sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bill was that person that I would be like, this is what's going on. I need somebody to like talk with. And he would he would walk me through that. So, yeah, a lot of things have changed. And now I'm in Tampa. And uh like you said, political climate here is really fraught. So I'm eyeing possibly another move um, because I don't even know if I can finish my degree here now because my degree is probably considered too woke. Um, well, yeah, <laughs> you forgot to mention in all of that, you also went back to school. And that's also when Max came out was post so we all of these things, all the move. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Max came out um, as non-binary. Well, they didn't really come out. They just kind of barred themselves and, you know, kind of making references. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, you know. And finally, I, they wrote something. Yes, I'm non-binary. I said, is this your coming out? And they go, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I guess since we've moved, they've felt really comfortable. So it just came in a whirlwind here since we've lived in Tampa. And I don't know the reasoning behind that. I know my partner tries to make it really safe for them um, and honoring their pronouns and their chosen name and that sort of thing. So I think they feel very comfortable here to just be who they are. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, my, my ex-husband is accepting, but there's those little like, I don't want to say pushback, but there's like those little, you can feel the wall yeah, a it's little taken, bit where his limit is. He yeah, hasn't it's been him a lot longer. I think he hasn't been exposed to quite the same stories that we have and so it's taking him some extra time to latch on to the thing that we were kind of ready for right and so for him it's a little more difficult and I think Max senses that and so when they got here they're just like oh by the way you know (laughs) (laughs) so we have um we have embraced that and we just go with the flow with that because we know that the pronouns have changed a couple of times already so it's kind of like yeah it's gonna it could change again we don't know Uh, But that's up to you and and how you're feeling and what you feel in yourself. And we'll just go with the flow. But yeah, there's just been a lot. There's been a lot in the last many years. And uh, life is lifing. (laughs) 
I don't even know what else to say about that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's also a thing that I think about a lot because like I said, I started out by saying that my early 30s were like very focused on the kids and that now I'm kind of re refocusing on like my own needs as well. But like, let's be clear, you can't clock out of being a mom and I wouldn't want to. Like my kids are still the driving force between behind every decision I make. And it also just with all of these changes the past few years, I'm constantly self-aware of how not only the things like I'm not only aware of the things that I talk to my kids about, but I'm also aware of how am I modeling this change for myself to them. And I hope, I, I believe that like your kids and my kids and you've all, you've got older kids too. So you've already gotten a lot of this feedback from them in, in, in current time. But my hope is that they see me living my life less rigidly. They see me allowing myself to go through these cycles as opposed to like one straight line. And they, that allows them, that gives them the freedom to live however they end up needing to live down the road. You know, just like you said with Max, like you worked really hard to create a safe space. I would, I, I suspect that Max also watched you go through a whole lot of hard shit and said, I can do that too. I can go through really hard things and I don't have to be afraid because I, I know my mom is strong and therefore I can be strong too. And that's kind of like the blueprint that I was talking about earlier. Like we're going to be exposed to different stories throughout our lives, but like it or not, our parents are still creating the norms for us. And so now that we're in the parent role, it's really important to me to keep modeling to my kids that things can go off course and like, that's okay. And, and you can change your mind at any point and that's still valid. And and you can make whatever decision you need to make as long as it's not actively causing harm and hurting people. And I'll still show up for you. You know, like I'm not, there's not, there's not a line that they can cross outside of like murder. And even then I'd probably be like, tell me what happened. <laughs> like, right. how, how did that, I know that's not you as a person. So like, how'd you get in this situation? Um, yeah, what and, happened? <laughs> yeah, not not giving them a pass, not letting them just become a, a jerk, but but talking it out and just like like figuring it out together. Like that's that's what I hope they take away from this. Right. My kids are my ride or die. Like um I do have, have those older kids, so I have gotten a lot of feedback. I mean, I didn't go into parent I was fifteen when I got pregnant with um Ish and had him when I just turned sixteen. So I really kind of didn't know what the blueprint was. I was just kind of fumbling around like, oh, I'm a teen mom. This is great. I know I need to finish high school. Let me finish high school. Um, started college and just was never able to finish because um, we, I got married and moved. And the price of college in Pennsylvania compared to New Mexico was, oh, a lot more. So it just never happened. Um, so I just didn't have like what I thought was a blueprint. And what I would always tell people is that I'm just a really selfish mom because I have to go out. I have to go to concerts. I have to go do things. I mean, I started a roller derby league 
when my kids were little because I needed something for me because if I didn't have that, I was going to lose it. I tried being a stay-at-home mom for a little bit. I was like, what, 19, 20 years old. And I was going to like hurt them and me at some point. I was like, I can't do this. I need to work. But I didn't. I always would tell people because they'd be like, oh, you go out. And I'm like, well, yeah, don't you? And of course, they're like, no. Um, so I have always said that I was a selfish mom. And I think that was just my way of saying I have to have self-care and do things for me. Otherwise, I will not be okay. I have to have these things or I will not be okay. So it's funny. My kids will tell stories about us taking them to beer Olympics. <laughs> um, my friend had hosted beer Olympics and it would get very rowdy and we would go at the beginning. And as soon as we started seeing like clothes starting to shed, we're like, all right, guys, time to go home. We had a great time. You know, we would never participate in beer Olympics. I, I just don't drink that much. Um, so we would go for the fun and to hang out with our friends and they were part of that. My kids were always part of that. And, um, I think that was really important for them because they learned through watching us navigate that that yeah they can still they you can be a mom but you can also be these other things too you know right. roller derby all of my friends you know my my uh volunteer service work you know like all the stuff that I did they knew that I had so many different facets to me and um I see that in my kids today my adult kids especially I see you know Ish loves so many different things he is so well-rounded Brennan same thing he is so well-rounded and they're both able to do so many different things because I was able to show that to them but it wasn't a conscious thought for me you know right um, it's more conscious now with Max because I'm like I didn't want to stay in my marriage that was unhealthy and toxic for them to witness for me to live for him to live through it was my gift to him and to my family to say no you we are done because this isn't healthy for any of us. And I wanted Max to be able to live in a household where there wasn't that strife all the time. So that was a very, very, that was very conscious. Um, and yeah, everything I do is still for my kids, even my 28 year old, you know, I'm 28, 23. They're always yours. And I'm always there. And I talk to Brennan at least once or twice a week and ish almost every day. Um, so that's something that's super important to me. And I, I think it's, we can be all those things and it's super helpful for them to, to have their own, you know, we provide a little bit of a map for them and then they decide right. where they want to go with that. Yeah. 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 I think that makes perfect sense. And I know, I know that I've got friends who are going to listen to this and be like, that's cool for you. I don't want to do that. And that's also okay. The, the main thing is, yeah, the main thing is that like, you know, you have the option and that, you give yourself permission to be who you need to be in that moment. If you don't want to leave the house, if you like are exhausted after a long work day or whatever, like that is totally valid. And you don't have to like model going to concerts every week or whatever, but for you and I, like being, being active in our social lives felt important. Um, and that was a thing that I, I didn't see growing up. I saw my mom, sitting on the couch every night falling asleep to old movies the same old movies and uh, I just thought that's what your 40s were and my friends moms were were living different lives but you know you don't go home with them you don't see what that looks like every day you just kind of see like a glimpse and um yeah to me growing up like from my little little child brain I thought that your 40s were all about watching soap operas 
falling asleep on the couch <laughs> at the end of the day and uh, clocking in and clocking out of work, like slaving away to make dinner every night. And that's like the entirety and like, and, and your kids and it's all like, all attention is on them. And that also, I mean, we could spend a whole other hour talking about this, but my decision to have a little bit more independence from my kids was not so much born out of, I mean, it's the same thing. What Whatever we call it, it's the same thing. You and I both recognized we needed something outside of them. Um, whether I called it selfish or not, it doesn't matter. But for me, it felt more of um, protecting my kids from my anxiety. I could, I could definitely be the personality type that could be a helicopter parent and just fuss over them all day and like be in their space and be in their like, it, like I could totally overdo it. And I had to recognize that that wasn't helping my kids um, micromanaging their lives. I need to leave the house in order to let everyone breathe a little easier. And, and it was actually, it was a therapist that told me that, that was like, yeah, uh, there was a point in time when, when Theo was young in elementary school that I had considered homeschooling him because he was having panic attacks about school. And I took him to this art therapist that I loved for a couple of sessions. And she said, yeah, he's got anxiety just like you, but he's also got excellent coping skills. And I think that if you were to spend more time with him and homeschool him, you would just feed off each other and be an anxious mess all the time, both of you. And so it really reminded me like, oh, I can't, I can't do that to my kids. I don't want to do like, I have to let them be their own people. And I need to like find other outlets. My kids cannot be my own only outlet. And recognizing that really kind of shaped my decisions from there on out. It, it allowed me to figure out, well, what do I like outside of my kids? I should probably right. spend some time doing that. <laughs> and I mean, to be clear, like I don't, I used to call it selfish back then because this was, <laughs> you've got to remember the mid nineties, 96 and 2000 were when my kids were born. <laughs> um, so in those, in that time period, we had moved to Central Bucks, which is, you know, the Doylestown area. And I joined the mom's club. What was I thinking? <laughs> um, and they were like all stay, like these beautiful stay at home moms whose husbands made, you know, six figures and they were living in <laughs> mansions in Doylestown. And so I thought that was what I needed to do and what I needed to be. And, um, I think I, like the whole selfish thing, I always called it selfish because I felt that's what everybody was telling me I was doing was being selfish. Yeah. Um, I mean, now I look back at it and I'm like, absolutely not. Like, don't lose yourself because <laughs> you have kids. Unless that's something you really want to do. Like, if that's what you want to do, great. But if that is not who you are as a person, like, don't think that's what you have to be. Right. Um, because that's what I thought I had to be. And yeah. once I kind of shed that, I was like, wait a minute, this is not who I am. Why am I doing this to myself? I'm torturing myself hanging out with these people. Because um, I am not at all like them. I grew up super duper poor in like one of the poorest states in the nation and I had a single parent. So <laughs> like, why am I torturing myself with this when I'm never going to attain what they have and I don't want it. So yeah. it was really nice to be able to shed that. And now I look back at it as a blessing. I was so young that I was lazy, right? Like I wanted my kids to be independent because that was what I had to do. <laughs> um, so it was kind of a blessing though, because I look at them now and I'm like, look at them. They can do a lot of hard things. And a lot of it is because 
at the time, what I thought was selfish and lazy was really me teaching them to be self-sufficient and problem solvers and thinkers. And I'm super excited that somehow, some way it worked out that way. <laughs> um, and that, you know, they're amazing adults today. Like, I love my freaking kids. I love hanging out with them. Just went on vacation with my oldest and his girlfriend mm -hmm. back to our home state. And we had the best time together. I and Brennan is coming this weekend. So I'm super excited to see him and his girlfriends and hang out and do all the things. I love being with my adult kids. It's like, there's nothing better, <laughs> nothing better. What do you think being in your forties has taught you so far? Do you, who cares? Like, I, I think one of the biggest things that I've, where was I? It's on Friday. We were out with um, that couple. I told you that, you mm -hmm. know, my partner met on AMP. And uh, it was one of the guy's birthdays or whatever. And they're in their thirties and they're like talking about how they would never want to be in their twenties again. I was, so I was, I was kind of listening on the side. And finally I just typed in, I said, when you get older, you just learn not to give an F. Um, yeah. I don't know if I can cuss here. I won't. You can say um, what you need to. Just, I'm a potty mouth. Um, <laughs> I'm only censoring myself because people are home. <laughs> right. Um, you just learn not to give a fuck. Yeah. You finally start to come into your own. You finally start to put all the pieces together, all the things that made me restless, all the things that have caused me strife um, that have been hard throughout my lifetime. Like it's all starting to kind of make sense. And you start putting the pieces together and you're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm seeing a bigger picture here now. And then you're able to use that information and move forward and make better decisions. But for me, my 40s is all about that because obviously I, I moved to Tampa last year. Uh, got divorced during my 40, you know, 40 has been the time of change for me and really just realizing I have to put myself first. Nobody else is going to do it for me. Um, yeah. And I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself, making sure that I'm not lowering my standards. Um, and then I'm just not going to put up with stuff that doesn't resonate with me or vibe with me anymore. I mean, through divorce, everybody knows that's super duper painful, but even more painful is all the friends I lost due to this divorce. Yeah, a lot of friends. My entire circle is gone um, because people have things to say about it. People have things to say about me moving in with my partner. So I've just had to learn to like let that all fall away. And I'm a slow processor. You know this. Um, <laughs> so I held on as long as I could. And just what, a couple, a month or two ago, I was like, I blocked them. I removed them. I told them I'm done with them. Yeah. Because I continually hear things about my life and you don't live with me. <laughs> so. Right. I've just really learned that you have to do what's best for you. And you really just are able to put that together and understand it more fully with the help of therapy. <laughs> I think therapy, therapy. <laughs> I think in addition to all of that, like it's like a yes. And the pieces are coming together. And for me specifically, it also feels like I spent a lot of my teens, twenties and thirties, trying on different things whether that was like style like what clothes I wore or how I did my hair or like the music I listened to or the activities I wanted to do in my free time I spent a lot of time trying believing that a well-rounded person should be a jack-of-all-trades right saying like sure I can like listen to that country album with you in the car uh or you know like sure I can like I don't know date somebody who 
golfs in their free time. <laughs> like I spent a lot of time just kind of like trying things on and, and not really, um, I kept catching myself, you know, you like go through a weird hair phase and you're like, you wake up one day and you're like, why is my hair like this? Why? <laughs> like, this is, doesn't feel like me. This feels like something that like somebody talked me into, or maybe I was trying to like fit in more. So I did this to like, look like the other people around me. And as somebody, you know, as, as a very, as a white presenting Hispanic, there's a whole other hour to talk about. It's a, this feeling of like, never quite looking like your peers, um, never quite knowing how to like fit in all the way. And so you try on a lot of things thinking like I could, I could be this person. And my forties really allowed me have really allowed me so far to just be like, none of that was me. Like it was fine. I went through a phase, you know, maybe I wore like my memory of college, especially I wore a lot of weird suburban things because <laughs> I was in the middle of like nowhere, Indiana. Um, but like, yeah, you, you, it's like, it's like trying on, like falling in love with the wrong shade of lipstick and just kind of, you keep doing it for years because that's all you know. And then suddenly somebody is like, you could try this other thing. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was an option. So my 40s have really just, I know myself now. I I can like write a bio of myself very quickly. And it, and it has a list of things that I like and things that I don't like, colors that I might right. wear. You know, like I, I know what works for me now. And uh, that doesn't mean that I'm stuck here for the rest of my life. Maybe it'll shift again, but it does mean that like, I just, I just keep going to clothes because that's the easiest analogy. But like, you know, when you're like walking through a store looking for like a new shirt, there are people who will gravitate towards the neutrals. There will people who are, will gravitate towards the pastels. I know I'm a jewel tone person. I'm always going to grab like a black or like red or plum or emerald green. Like I just know this about myself now. And for a long time, I didn't. For a long time, I was like, let's just try all the things. But those things didn't end up feeling like me. So yeah, my 40s, I know what works for me. Yeah, and you I, kind of sift through all the stuff, all the miscellaneous things that you've had throughout your life. Yeah, it's kind of sifting through, you kind of honed in a little bit better. Like, I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I like. I know, like, what I'm going to say no to. Yeah, um, just huge. Because how many times do we say no um, <laughs> when we're young? <laughs> and I give myself permission to say no in my forties. Yeah. And give yourself permission and grace to say this isn't working for me. I'm going to change it. You know, just like what we started this whole episode out with is this there's things that are changing this just doesn't fit in anymore and it's time you know that's it's it's 40s are nice because you really start to hone in on that and I'm going to assume that the older you get the more you're gonna sift through even more and figure that out or at least that's what I'm hoping so I hope so too I think it will be you know I mean like mid-30s was when I finally realized like I can get whatever tattoos I want because I'm halfway through this. I, you know, like, what am I holding out for? That like mystery job, that mystery corporate job that I don't even want in the first place. Like I can just paint my body with all the things. And I can just say, if somebody doesn't like it, they don't have to be a part of my life. Right. 
<laughs> yeah, it gets a lot easier to, to to push away the things that don't vibe any longer. That's for sure. Um, yeah. It's hard. To, that's not to say it's going to be easy, but there's not going to be a grieving process over it. But yeah, um, definitely learning to sit with that grief and to sift through that in and of itself and, and just pushing things else away that doesn't work anymore. If it's not making me feel good, I don't want any part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to wrap up this episode with the question I ask everybody. I don't even have my own answer prepared, by the way, for this. So let's see what comes out. Um, if you could go back and tell younger Elena something that you think you'd like to pass along, what would you tell her? Mm, gosh. I would say that no matter what decisions you make, no matter where you think you're going now, it's going to change. And that's okay. The, the direction or the path that you have at this moment and where you think you're going is not going to be where you end up. And that is okay. And it's okay to, it's okay to make on the, decisions on where you need to go if you have to. Um, so yeah, I think it's just all about embracing change, accepting change, understanding change, just knowing that change is constant. So you can reinvent yourself a hundred times over, a thousand times over, and it's going to be okay. That's huge. Change is constant. That's a good one. I don't even know what I would... I've heard so many <laughs> great answers to this question, and I have to think about it. I love that because I was definitely a very like uh, rigid, rigidly minded person, especially in my twenties. That change is constant. But the thing about that is, like, I also wouldn't want to impact the decisions or the, the changes that I made. Like, I wouldn't. I am a very type A person, and really? I. I <laughs> And I wouldn't want to make younger me feel, feel like I needed to change that either. You know, like my gut is to say, oh, just relax, just like be chill, but that's never going to be a part of my vocabulary. And it never was. I think, I think what I would go and tell my younger self is like, wherever you are is where you should be right now. Like, that's okay. You know, because like, I, I don't, at this point in my life, I don't have a lot of regrets. I have things that I did regret and have since corrected, but at this point, I, I really don't have a lot of regrets. I just, I feel like each step of the way led me along this specific path. I overthought it every step of the way <laughs> and yet I still ended up okay. And like, there's no telling an overthinker it's going to be okay because they're going to find the loophole and whatever you just said and still worry about it. But, um, but yeah, if I had, if I had understood that about myself in my twenties, that like, this is who you are and that's okay. And also like, you're going to find your people anyway. I, I, maybe I would have been able to relax just a little bit more, you know, like stop overthinking it to the extreme. Like I did, but yeah, I think wherever you wherever you are, that's where you need to be. Which one step on the long journey. Yeah. Yeah. It feels it feels a little vague, but uh that's the best I've got after doing this for three years, talking to all these people. <laughs> 
I think it's good. It's profound. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for chatting. This was great. Thanks for having me. Do you want to give socials or do anybody cares to follow? follow me or whatever, they're more than welcome to. It's Iha Zivina, um, H-I-J-A-D-I-V-I-N-A on Instagram. I don't post a lot, um, but I do little things here and there, what's going on here in Tampa, all my concerts, of course, if you like heavy metal, hit me up. You can take the small business out of you, but you're always going to be a photographer. So she posts pretty things. If you like pretty things, (laughs) follow Elena. (laughs) I do post pretty things. I do take pictures of pretty things. Um, <laughs> that is always going to be my thing. But yeah, other than that, I'm just I'm just a girl going to school, working and going to concerts and raising them my kiddo. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening these past couple of years. Thank you for joining me and figuring out what midlife was all about. And uh, yeah, you can continue to follow me. I'm still doing photography and who knows what's coming next. Yeah, but you can follow me at Lucy Baber um, or Lucy Baber Photography. And um, please reach out if you ever want to chat. Thanks for listening to Midlife Plot Twists. Be sure to hit subscribe and check back monthly for each new episode. Since monthly podcasts don't automatically download, you can also follow me on Instagram at Lucy Baber and Facebook at Lucy Baber Photography to be the first to know when each new episode is released.